forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. What sins have you committed? <laughs> well... Hey everyone, welcome to Forgive Me, Father, a podcast where we discuss how certain aspects of life and a walk with God go together or don't mesh so well. Through discussions of personal vices and victories, we hope to help you, the listener, understand others more and create conversations, no matter what you've experienced or believe. I secretly want to become a meme, but I don't know if I really want that. But like I you don't, do at the same time. Right. But the thing is, like, you don't get to choose what part of you becomes a meme. It's like, you don't true. get to, like, do something and be like, oh... Check out this candid memory. We should turn this into a meme. It's somebody who finds it deep in the bowels of Twitter or Reddit yep. or Tumblr, if that still exists, and then they force it into a meme, and then it just goes viral from there. It's true. So you like have this like fifty percent cringe, fifty percent ecstasy of like I'm in popular culture. Yes, and it's like probably the ugliest picture of you. Exactly, and, and you're, you're like, like, oh, cool. <laughs> That's great. Yes. But then you get like that, like that becomes you for the rest of your life. You know, it's like true. other memes are like, yeah, that's all, that's all they refer to you as, you know, like the excited girl or Gerber like, baby, or, you know, that's, that's all you baby. are. You're no yeah. longer Kyle. You're no longer Tiffany. You're no longer Bartholomew. Wow. You These are <laughs> that meme. <laughs> Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the struggles and the trials and then the victories of leaving God and then coming back to God. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Just what that looks like through the eyes of someone who's experienced it, mm-hmm. being able to ask questions from an outside perspective. So Rachel, Jacques, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. So excited to be here. So Ooh. excited. And we go way back. We yes. go back to 2013. Too far. That's, whoa. <laughs> right. Back before the war that we call the pandemic. The pandemic. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what a time. What a time to be alive. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. Because we were 2013. We were youngins. I think we were yeah. both in our early 20s. Yeah, we were babies. Super babies. And we met, well, first we met at a church internship. Yes. Uh, when I was there doing that for a little bit and we mm-hmm. kind of connected, it was just kind of like this like random, like, oh, hey, like you've got a pretty good sense of humor. I've got yeah. an all right sense of humor. Right. And, and then, uh, okay, see you later. <laughs> right. And then it was, it was this like, I think I'm going to Radford. And I was like, cool. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Cause, exactly. Because I hadn't transferred there yet. Because that right. was in the summer of the internship. Right, right, right. I eventually moved to Radford in spring 2013. And then from there, we were best friends. Tons of memories. So many memories. I mean, so many late nights at Young. Mm -hmm. So many Benny's Pizzas. Benny's Pizza. (laughs) Oh, if I could get sponsored by them, that would be fantastic. There's one here in Charlotte. What? That's crazy. crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's in Noda, which is a district in Charlotte. It's about 15 minutes away from my apartment. Wow. But it's still the same quality. It's still pretty good. Yes, Benny's. So many... So many things. Rock climbing. Oh, right. Climbing in Peters. Yeah. The best. Goofing off and staying there for like three hours, even though we were like, we should probably go do homework soon. (laughs) But like, just one more route. Just one more route. Just one more. And then we played that (laughs) game that's like horse where you like traverse and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so tough. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. Yeah. My arms arms quiver just thinking about it. None of us knew what we were doing. No. It was fun. But it's college. I don't think anyone really does. So Exactly. It's also life. <laughs> Nobody knows it's what we're true. doing. <laughs> like the points don't matter. <laughs> they really don't. 
it's 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 whose life is it anyway that's how i like to view it's true my whole existence like my whole entire being but my dear friend rachel why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself let the let the listeners in on who you are give a little tidbit um i am currently in new jersey in south jersey what what i'm a special educator for deaf and hard of hearing students mom of one little bean isabella love her to death she's currently teething so any moms out there listening you already know also send help send send help and lots of coffee please um yeah and i grew up in the group of churches that i'm a part of now the icoc i moved to virginia when i was 11 years old and when i was 13 years old i was asked to study the bible the end of my eighth grade year and part of me wanting to study the bible there was like two sides to it there was my parents wanted me to study the Bible. Like I felt like everyone who was in my corner was like, oh my gosh, like, yes, you're going to study the Bible. It was like one of the things to do. And it was just kind of like a rite of passage in a sense. And then the other side was I myself was curious about wanting to study the Bible to know who God is, what is a relationship with God? What does that mean? Because I've heard all of the Bible stories, but kind of like what does having a relationship with God have to personally do with me? Mm -hmm. So that's, I kind of like wanted to explore that avenue. Mm -hmm. But I think over time, really studying the Bible, the, the pressure of people pleasing and the pressure of wanting to have that rite of passage and join in a sense, this club or this youth group mm -hmm. kind of like took over most of like my Bible studies. So I, I didn't really get the emotional connection of studying the Bible and really having that relationship with God. So when I did get baptized, like, yes, I knew absolutely what I was doing, but I think I didn't really get started on the right foot. Right. So I was a disciple going into my freshman year and freshman year of high school is just scary. It's, it's a new right. transition. <laughs> it's a new, just like, like the next four years kind of like define the the last half of your adolescence. And so, right. you know, I was really struggling to kind of find like, who am I? Like, I am a disciple, but who am I like outside mm. of church? Because mm. that's all I knew. All I knew was church. All I knew was, you know, on Fridays, we go to devotional. I didn't, I didn't know there were any other options. Like, so, um, <laughs> right. So then, you know, freshman year happened and I slowly started to kind of like mentally think about why I was doing what I was doing. I didn't feel the passion. I didn't feel the emotion behind this relationship with God. I had the head knowledge, but I think heart wise, I just really wasn't connecting. It was hard for me to share my faith with people because I didn't know what exactly I was sharing. It was more of like, hey, come to church with me right. rather than, wow, look at what God has saved me from. Because in my eyes, I was like, well, I don't actually know what God is saving me from because I've never experienced anything. Like I was mm -hmm. in this kind of like bubble of, which isn't a bad thing. It's, it's great to be like in that kind of like safety, but it's also very naive, very I had no idea what anything was outside of um, just like the household that I lived in. Right. So going into my sophomore year, I wasn't getting the encouragement that I needed from my youth group, but I also wasn't giving either because I wasn't being given to. It was kind sure. of like this weird, like two-way thing. Yeah, like a vicious cycle. Yeah. And honestly, it just like, once you realize that, it's kind of like, well, I don't want to give if I'm not being given to. So finally, mm -hmm. this boy in my sophomore year, Boys. just, yeah, 
boys. The root of all evil. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> like, he started asking me questions about just myself. Like, you know, made me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. Liked the way that I looked. Liked the way, like, the personality that I had. And I was like, wow, like, there's a boy and he looks at me and he notices me. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> panic. He knows that I exist. Yeah. And it was crazy because wow. he was one of those, like, popular people. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. And so I think that was the the avenue that I wanted to take, like the door that I wanted to take to leave. Because leading up to it, it wasn't like I just woke up one morning, got ready for school, drove to school and was like, this is the day that I leave the church. Like it was- Right. It was <laughs> Cute boy, I'm out. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, it wasn't like that. It was, it was months of bitterness of feeling like I'm not being given to. It was months of pride thinking- well, mm-hmm. I don't know what God's saving me from, so why don't I just experience it? Mm-hmm. it w- there were just so many things that were going through my mind. So when this guy popped up, I'm like, this is a good excuse. You know what? I'm going to leave and start dating this boy. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I left. And for the first like six months of leaving, I was like, wow, like this is great. This is awesome. Like I can date this boy. I can curse. I can, you know, focus on myself without like feeling guilty. But It was weird because in the back of my mind, I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I was like, well, no, I don't want to think about those things because then it's like an I told you so. And that was like my worst fear. Like that was like a crippling like, oh gosh, if someone says that to me, I'm going to die. Right. Yeah. So for the next two years, that fear, like those thoughts of people are going to say, I told you so, or I have to say that I was wrong. Mm-hmm. prevented me from wanting to go back to God because I just didn't want people asking me questions. I didn't want people, you know, saying like, hey, we told you so. Like we told you that leaving wasn't a good idea. And like here you mm-hmm. are coming back. But the thing is nobody ever said that to me. It was my own thoughts. It was my own mind creating like these scenarios in my head of like, oh, people are gonna say this, people are gonna say that. When in actuality, mm-hmm. like that never happened. Like that's never happened to at least anyone that I know. Mm -hmm. So it really, my pride in that sense really kept me away from wanting to like to come back to church. So then after two years, I was turning, I had just turned 18. I broke up with my boyfriend because I was about to go to college and I was like, you know what, you're holding me back. So I'm just gonna... Peace out, dude. So selfish. (laughs) You're not popular anymore. Goodbye. You're not it. (laughs) (laughs) And it was horrible. I was like, the way that I went about it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I can't imagine. (laughs) But yeah, so that summer, I kind of quote unquote lived it up. I smoked, I drank, had impure relationships just because I was like, you know what? I can do whatever I want because I'm 18 years old now. But I think what kept me up at night was, Rachel, if you were to die right now, you would go to hell. Like you would, yeah. you, like God would be like, no, no, no. Right. And, so, right. and so I think that piqued my interest in wanting to come back, not necessarily because I wanted to be with God, but I didn't want to go to hell, which is, it still was not about God, which in the first place, when I first studied the Bible was not about God. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of like came full circle, but yeah, so I reached out to the um, person who was leading campus in like my hometown, restudied the Bible. Um, and she told me after a couple of studies, she was like, you don't want this. You don't want God. Like you're just doing this as like a way to come back 
to kind of like clear your conscience in a sense. Right. Like you're too prideful. And I'm like, are you, excuse me? <laughs> no. How dare you be so accurate? I know. I was like, how dare you see through my facade? Don't tell me <laughs> what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> like it was just, it was true. Like I wasn't coming back to God because I wanted to come back to God. I was coming back because I was afraid of going to hell. And like that would have not set a great foundation for me. So I was like, you know what? Bump this. I'm like I'm not, you know what? I don't need this anyway. So then, <laughs> you know, I packed my bags. I go up to to George Mason for my first year of college. So then there was there was a really small campus ministry there. It was opening week, welcome week kind of like all of the parties happen, all of the frats kind of like open up their doors and they're like, everyone come party, like freshman time. And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Um, like I, that me. Um, And so with no parental supervision, with no rules, you can just kind of do what you want. So that's what I did. Um, And so that last, that Saturday before classes started, me and my hallmates, we were about to go to a party. And, you know, we were getting ready. We were so excited. And, you know, it's like midnight and our ride didn't show up. And we're like, you know what? Whatever. And so the week prior, the woman who was leading the campus in that ministry, if you do want this, here's my number. This is, I'm available to talk, to sit down, to whatever. But I'm not going to chase after mm-hmm. you because this is this is your life now. Like this is something that you have to create. Yeah, it's the freedom to choose. Yeah, and I, I just and I think and I think that was it. Like for the first time in my life, I was like, oh, like I make the decisions. Like I don't have to ask my yeah. parents, do I have to do this, or I don't have to ask permission from anybody because it this was me. Yeah. And so that Saturday when our ride didn't show up, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go to church. And crazy enough, from that party, um, there's actually a girl who died because she was so drunk, like she was crossing the street and she got hit by a car and died. That just kind of like, it was insane because I'm like, wow, like, I don't know if I was going to go to that specific party, but still like the... Just the idea. Yeah. Like the idea of like, wow, like that could have been me, that it it was just eye opening for sure. So then I go to church on Sunday. (laughs) Funny enough, I don't even remember what the lesson was about. I don't even remember like what communion was. But I was after church, I was just kind of like sitting there and I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I have been searching for for two years was just the Mm. genuine love that people had for me and that God had for me, Mm -hmm. most importantly. Because I think for the past two years, I was chasing these things to love me, to give to me, when in actuality, like God was the one who's been trying to protect me, who's been trying to give to me this whole time. But I'm like, no, because that's a bunch of rules. No, because then it's like I'm locked down and I can't do anything. Right, but there were right. so many instances like in the two years that I had left the church that my life could have totally ended. Like I could have been in a drunk driving accident. I could have been stabbed. Like there were so many times in like those two years where it could have just, I could have just died. Right. And so I think just like seeing for the first time, wow, like God actually loves me, regardless of like my mistakes, because I was talking to all of these people and they just telling them, you know, where I was, where my story is and where I'm at, like in my relationship with God. And they cared. Like it wasn't just like, oh Mm -hmm. yeah, we'll have a nice day. See you later. But they actually were asking questions. They wanted to know, you know, 
wow, like that's so fascinating. Like, tell us more. And I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean? Tell you more? Yeah. There's no agenda. It's just genuine care and that genuine love that you had been looking for in the world, but now like started to realize like this has been here. Right. Absolutely. And so, um, and I think that's what really pushed me to really go after my relationship with God again, because I saw that God's love was unconditional. Like there was no strings attached. Like I didn't have to like jump through all of these hoops to get God's love. And so I restudied the Bible um, with the uh, woman who led the campus there. And I got restored back to Christ in 2010. And it hasn't been an easy road. Um, being a person who has been restored. I started dating about a year afterwards and and it was great. Like, you know, everything was going well. And in my like new, eager, young Christian years, I was like, oh, like, I'm just going to share. I'm going to be vulnerable because I, I want to be transparent. Like, I want to be genuine. The genuineness right. that was shown to me when I first came back, I want to be genuine. So just sharing all these things with him, you know, at one point he asked me, you know, isn't being restored just saying sorry? Mm. No, like, it's not just saying sorry. There's a humility that comes with admitting, one, that you're wrong. Like, when I was in my studies, like, I had to say, yes, Rachel, like you were wrong. Um, I had to see my sin, like, no, like you went out and sinned, kind of like the prodigal son where he kind of like had his eyes opened, where he had to admit like, oh, I have sinned against heaven, you know? And I'm like, yep, that was me. Mm -hmm. And then just like the humility of even coming back, like to to want something that you already had to come back to it after leaving, like purposely leaving, not like, ah, I fell away and like, ah, I'm back up again. But it's like, yeah. no, I deliberately turned around and now I'm turning back around. Um, so there were so much more than just right. saying sorry. Um, and I think that really hurt me. And then, you know, he sat me down. I believe it was my birthday or like the day after. And he ended our relationship because he felt like he, you know, didn't want to be with someone who had the past that, that I had. And I was Jeez. like, here's a birthday cake. Also, here's singlehood again. <laughs> oh, God. And I was just like, sir? what? I didn't understand. I was so confused. I wept because I started thinking, is this what all people think about me? Like, do they think I'm just like this second class citizen who just kind of said sorry and like moseyed her way back in the church? Like, wow. Yeah. And so it gave me so many insecurities because I, after that, I just kind of like closed up my heart. I was like, I don't want to be vulnerable with anyone. I don't want to be open at all with anyone if they're going to think the way that they think about me. And so it was just really scary because it made it really hard to trust people. And even like in my relationship with God, I was like, I wonder if God feels this way about me. I wonder if God feels like Mm. I'm a second class citizen. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it took a lot of really praying through those moments, really diving into the scriptures about it. But there was this one point in 2012 um, at the World Discipleship Summit where our group of churches kind of got together in San Antonio. And there was this one speaker, I'm pretty sure it was Sam Powell. But he said, if you have been, so we're in like this huge stadium and he was like, if you've been restored, I want you to stand up. And I was like, mm-hmm. what? It me, it me. Like I'm looking, I'm looking at my friends and I'm like, that's me, that's me, that's me. So I stand up and I see thousands <laughs> of people just standing up and I'm like, this is it. We're in this, like we're in this together. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it was a really powerful moment because, and I think there were around 17,000 yes. people. Uh, for for our listeners who don't know what that family of churches does, is that that World Discipleship Summit 
as we called it, it was a convention where it was churches mm-hmm. from all around our world, the the family of churches, um, not just from America, not just from a certain continent, yeah. but from everywhere. And so we met where the San Antonio Spurs yeah. play. That's where we had our evening service every night. What Rachel's referring to is a night where there was a speaker who asked everyone who had left the church and then decided to come back to the church and in genuine pursuit of a relationship with God and was asking them to stand in, a, in unity, basically. Yeah, and it was just, just to see like the thousands of people standing up with me, I wept. I was like, I'm not by myself. Like I, I'm not the only person anymore. Like it just really opened my eyes to that. Yeah. And so he was saying, you're not a second class citizen. You do have grace. You do have mercy. And I applaud you for coming back because that is a humbling thing to do. And I was like, you're, you're right. Oh my gosh. Like, and just to have like that validation from somebody, it just, it brought me so much joy to know that somebody understood because I feel like a lot of people yeah. don't really understand what it means to come back to God because it there's so many emotions. There are so many things to work through that I didn't have to work through the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was a really big moment for me. So I think at that point, it really changed my focus on my vulnerability because I felt like, okay, I'm not alone. So I can be open with people. Like I I can trust people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then that year I wasn't actually doing that well in school. So I transferred out to Radford. Shout out, are you Highlanders? Woo! So that's kind of like when my relationship with God started to kind of move again, because I felt like the first two years I was in this like probation period where I like had to do like performance activities like just to show like I am good like I'm I'm cool like I'm I'm cool as a cucumber like I'm not here trying to leave again and I felt like I had to prove to people that I was okay but nobody was asking me to do that it was my own thoughts it was my own insecurity of like oh people are watching mm-hmm. these because I I'm restored or because I came back to God people are gonna watch me and think that I'm always struggling but nobody said that right like nobody showed that they were feeling that way and it was just my own thoughts that I, I was making up that made me feel like I was on probation but finally when I transferred out I after the world discipleship summit I really said to myself I was like no this has to be me and God like it can't be about performing it can't be about worrying about what other people think because then it's going to be the same thing when I was 14 years old. Like then it's going to be about people instead of about God. And so college at Radford and just such a really great ministry, I felt like I really, really thrived there. There were really hard times. There were times in like my walk with God where I really struggled. There were times when like our mutual friend, when he fell away, that Mm -hmm. was really hard because I, because I felt like I finally had like a solid group of friends. And I'm like, the three of us were in this together and this is great. And then it was like, (laughs) we're not going to pick up the phone anymore. We're not going to talk to anybody. I'm like, what? God, yeah. Yeah, we're the three amigos for sure. We literally did everything together. And I was like, no, God, like this is not the way it's supposed to be. And so that really shook my faith because Mm -hmm. I finally finding like some stabilities, like my, you know, like my group. um, And then it slowly fell apart there. But just like I had to constantly remind myself like, no, like it's not about people, even though it is sad when people do walk away from God. It is sad because I know what that's like to leave people behind. And so now being Mm -hmm. on the other side, seeing people walk away, I'm just like, wow, like that does hurt. Like (laughs) that, 
that is really tough because you you spend so much time investing in one another. It spends so much time in each other's walks with God, like seeing how each other's doing, and then it kind of just like ends. Um, so it is really tough. Yeah. But there were also so many victories. I mean, I think even with when I started dating my now husband, the victory of pushing past my insecurity and being vulnerable and then that vulnerability being reciprocated and being met with no Rachel like I do accept you and I'm like what you mean like what that's not real what are you saying to me and even that (laughs) I was just like wow like God does accept me like I am okay like I I can Mm -hmm. be vulnerable and just even like sharing bits and pieces of my story with him and him just saying you know that that's not who you are now like it's it's made you who you are today but it doesn't define you and I'm like you're right like it doesn't define me like all of those things I don't regret any part of my walk with God even the part where I left I don't I don't regret it it's made me who I am today. And so I think that part of vulnerability was really hard to get to. Like it took years and years of pushing past like the thoughts of people think this way, God thinks this way, but finally just like doing it and knowing that it benefits my relationship with God when I am vulnerable, because then I can have like that emotional connection with God, which is what I didn't have in the beginning. Yeah. And I think that's super powerful because I think a lot of a lot of views can be, why did you leave in the first right. place? Like if you just would have had this down, this wouldn't have been right. a problem if you were just more mm-hmm. sincere, more honest. But the fact is all of us are different. Right. So even me thinking and working and even in some respects, praying through coming back to a relationship with God, you can't regret Mm. those times because it's made your walk more powerful. For me, it feels more authentic now that I'm working my way back because I want that rather than this is how I was raised. And then for you, this is how you were raised or this is the expectation of the church. And that really is something powerful that I, I don't know if people understand whether it's like a, well, you shouldn't have mm-hmm. left in the first place stance, or if it's just people forget to ask or people don't think to take the right. time to to see that viewpoint. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right when you say that not everyone's walk is the same. It can't be. It wouldn't be authentic if everyone's walk was the exact same. Like it would literally be cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. And that's not what, first of all, that's not even what a relationship is. Like every relationship is so different. Right. Like my marriage looks so different from my friend's marriage. Like it's not the same and it shouldn't be mm-hmm. the same because we have different needs. We have different desires. We have different wants. And so like what I value in my relationship with God might not be something that someone else values. And that's okay because it's a relationship with God. Like it's me and God, not me, this person and God. Like that wouldn't make any sense. Exactly. And so, yeah, I think, I think the key is understanding that your story is your story and it's like accepting that, Um, you know, accepting, yes, I did mess up. It's okay that I messed up. But it made me who I am now. It it gave me the struggles. It gave me the the life lessons. Even in like my previous dating relationship, like did it suck? <clears throat> yep, that did suck. But it helped me learn what do I actually want in a relationship? You know, what do I actually right? Like, what am I looking for? And so, and even right. understanding from my time away from God, what was God saving me from? Oh, right, I remember that one time. Like, and it, it brings me back, and I'm like, and it makes me so much more grateful. Yeah. Yeah, you understand it more of an experience than than a concept. Right. And I think some people are okay with understanding the concept of this is 
God is saving me from yeah. sexual immorality or God is saving me from these bad people in a sense, like right. bad characters, you know, this corruption, God's saving me from that. And I think people can understand that as a concept, but for others, because we are so different, like you were saying, unfortunately, we have to be a little more hands-on learners. Right. Um, but some, but a, a really close friend might have no mm -hmm. problem with it. But it doesn't mean that my my walk right. with God is lesser. It doesn't mean that my sins are greater. Right. It just means it's different. It doesn't take away from the value of it. Right. Absolutely. And so, and it shouldn't. Like, I mean, there are so many people in the Bible that came sideways at Jesus, you know, looking for a relationship with God. And that's, and that's okay. Because at the end of the day, they were saved. Like literally when Jesus was on the cross, one of the, the thieves just kind of was like, ah, no, this is the son of God. Yeah. Like his whole entire life, he was hooping and hollering with the hooligans. Like, and then all of a sudden, like on the cross, he's like, actually, you know, no, this man doesn't deserve death. We deserve death because we're stupid. Right. And Jesus was like, you will join me in paradise. Like, that's crazy. But that was his walk with God. And literally at the very end, he was able to be reconciled. And so it, it's just so different for everybody. And people shouldn't be shamed for how they get to God because that's not the point. It, the point is, what does your relationship with God look like? after you like do establish that relationship with God. And so I think just people just understanding where that we're all so different and that it's okay that we take a little bit more time to come to God. Like there are so many people that take years and years and years to come back to God. I mean, I'm still praying for my sister. Right. It's she's studied the Bible and these things, but she hasn't wanted that time with God yet. It's not her time to like be reconciled to God yet. And but the only thing I can do is wait. Like I can't intervene. Like that's her yeah. relationship. Like she has to be there. Exactly. So yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think what's really important for our listeners to understand is that like for you coming back to God, it doesn't matter how you came back. It doesn't matter right. the sins that happened in between. What matters is that you're back, you know? And then right. for, for you as listeners, no matter where you stand with your relationship with God, whether you've left God, whether you've never really had a walk with him, uh, whether you're desiring to come back, desiring to get to know him, or even don't have any desire at all, no one has a right to judge you for that point. It's right. your walk with God. Absolutely. You may need help to figure it out and guidance along the way, but... Like you said, Rachel, there is no, it's me, God, and somebody else. It's always, it's right. me and God and people can help. Right. And I think your story is great about how you are able to show that this is my relationship with God. This is how other voices kind of impeded or got in the way or yeah. distracted you, you know, from your relationship with God. But eventually you were able to get right. it on straight. Uh, and being able to share mm -hmm. your story is powerful because now you're in a really great spot in your walk with God. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy because now I work with the teens. Um, so it's kind of like come like full circle, just understanding the teen mentality of wanting to experience the world and wanting to have the boyfriend and smoke and drink and do whatever you want. And I was like, I get it. Like, it's tempting. Absolutely. But just helping them understand if you want this, then go after it. But if you don't, then don't. Like nobody's forcing you to go after God. Yeah. Like even God's not forcing you to go after him. And it's just, I think, I, and I think we put that pressure on ourselves and we feel this kind of like other people put this pressure on us when in reality, like God never pressures us to have a relationship with him. Right. And I think understanding like 
come when you're ready, not when people feel like you're ready or when you think people will think that you're ready, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. God isn't forcing you to have a relationship with him. He gives warnings, tries to draw you in with his love, but he never forces it. And that's the biggest thing is that if you hear that call and you're like, I'm gonna go after it, accept that love. If you hear that call and you refuse, God's still going to love you either way. When the rich young ruler walked away from Jesus, there was no anger. There was no resentment. He was sad for him, but he never turned around and said, you see this sinful sack of garbage. How dare he? You know, it was, wow, this guy doesn't want a relationship with God. I'm sad for him, but that was it. He left it there. There was no forcing. He didn't chase after him. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's, what's really important for people to hear as well is that like, it's our job to love people as God would love people as Jesus would love people. Mm -hmm. But it's not our job to go chase down people and condemn people for not loving God. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Just remembering that this it's your relationship with God it's not other people because when you make it about people, then it gets really complicated and it's not genuine. It's not authentic. Right. And that's even what God desires is it for, for it to be authentic. Exactly. With the thought of vulnerability and the fears of feeling like you're going to be judged because you had come back to church. Um, there's a scripture that talks about God not remembering our sins anymore. It's in Hebrews eight twelve, And that actually references Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah is talking about a prophecy where Israel will be restored. Mm-hmm. Though Israel has become sinful, it's a wretch, it's, it's full of heathens and hooligans and shenanigans. <laughs> and now it's this great promise. And God basically says, I will remember your sins no more. I will forgive mm-hmm. you. Right. In Hebrews, that's where he says, that's where the author of Hebrews is talking about the new covenant that's going to come with Jesus mm-hmm. versus the old covenant. Mm-hmm. And so can you talk about how, even though God promises to not remember our sins anymore, how you felt or those fears that maybe other people within your church were going to remember your sin and hold it against you? Yeah. So, wow, there's like a lot to unpack there. So I think I I understood the concept of he has forgiven my sin. There's that aspect. I think what comes into play is one, I remember my sin because I remember where I came from. I remember the things that I've done. And I also think, and this is not to say like, this is not what the church does at all. Um, But I think I do that. And some people do this. We put this, we put certain sins on a hierarchy of like intensity. And so for me, I was like, oh my gosh, like having sex is like the ultimate sin. And so to me, I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's forever going to be like the thing that people know me as is like, oh, that's the girl who had premarital sex or that's the person who did drugs or drank alcohol before 21. Yeah. I put it on like this, this pedestal of, oh my gosh, like that's the ultimate thing that it was like hard to not remember those things or not forgive myself of those things for a long time because of this vision I had in my mind of different types of sins, which is not biblical at all like all sin is equal Mm -hmm. but i think it is hard because there are so many different influences that tell us that no that's not the case because we're constantly having lessons on purity and we're constantly having lessons on modesty and da 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 and so that seems like it's like a huge thing well it is but so is everything else you know so i think in that case understanding that god does forgive my sin 
And that even though people might remember my sin, that's not who's in my relationship with God. They're not going to vouch for me like at the pearly gates and be like, right. Ah, Rachel. <laughs> like God stands up there and he says, does anybody have a reason why this woman should not be led into the kingdom of heaven? And then somebody pops in and goes, um, well, excuse me. I don't know if you remember this Lord almighty, but, uh, this thing happened <laughs> circa 2013, uh, and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, it's not, it's not so much about how other people view you or your past sins. Right. You're correct. At the end of the day, it is between you and God. And you need to realize that God is that safe space, not other people. Right. Yeah. And so I think it was just kind of like pushing past the insecurity of people are going to think what they think about you. And I had to be okay with that. I had to be okay with not controlling what people thought about mm-hmm. me. Like I can't be everything for everybody but I definitely think after my first church like dating relationship ended, it definitely like, oof, gosh, I felt like everyone knew my sin. Everyone wanted to remember who I was back then. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, please. But that, that shouldn't have happened. Like that shouldn't have ever happened. Right. Um, and it shouldn't ever happen to anybody because that's not, that's not how God views us. Right. Again, it, it goes back to that emotional connection with God, that emotional intimacy believing that God has forgiven my sin because I can think to the cows come home. Ah, God has forgiven my sin. Yes. There are so many scriptures on why this is true, Mm -hmm. but it's a matter of like believing that and ingraining that in my relationship with God, I think is like very important. Yeah. Very true. So for me, I left the, the family of churches that you and I were a part of when we were in college together and I left for my own reasons, and that's a topic for another episode of this podcast, but I know there are others who have left and yet still have God on their mind, Mm -hmm. and that's something that I continually think about in my own times of meditation. I can relate to you in terms of if I were to step foot back into not just the ICOC, but any church, Mm -hmm. is how am I going to be received are they going to view my sins and hold it against me? Right. You know, things of that nature. So for you, someone who has experienced that, who has gone through that fire and has come out the other side, what is some advice or some encouragement that you would give to those who, who are considering coming back yet don't exactly know where to start or maybe don't know how to approach it? I think one, it takes time. Don't expect it to kind of like just magically like, ta-da, like I am back. <laughs> it is scary. It is really scary. In the culture that we just live in, it's it's hard to admit when you're wrong. It's embarrassing to say the least, but I think it is scary and it does take time to process coming back because you understood what you did wrong in your relationship with God to begin with and wanting to change that and like how to get to that change. Mm-hmm. So I think it does take time to really sit and think, okay, why do I want this relationship with God? Like, what is it that I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. Because this is a, it's a lifetime. Like this is at least for me and the group of churches that I'm a part of, like you're in a relationship with God till you see God. Like it's, Mm -hmm. You know, and, Mm -hmm. and so I think 
really understanding, is this the way that I want to live my life? Is this a trajectory that I want to take the family that I have created down? You know, because it's not just about you anymore. It's about everything else that's going to like impact the rest of your life, like who you marry and how you raise your children and how you interact with people around you. Like, there's so much more than just like, I am coming back to church. Right. So really just thinking like, is this the lifestyle that I want to live? And I think coming to terms with your mistakes is like an, also mm-hmm. a really big thing because you have to understand that like with God, you know, there is sin and there is righteousness there in the Bible. It is very clear. And so I think understanding, okay, no, I, I did sin. I deliberately went against God. Mm -hmm. And I think admitting that because when you don't admit that, it makes it really hard to come back Mm because it's like, well, I've done nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. But no, you actually have. According to the Bible, like if that's something that you're wanting to pursue, you have to understand, no, you did do something sinful. Yeah, it's that moment in Luke 15, the prodigal son where he, I think it's the, the pig trough. And he starts to realize, yeah. like, oh, my goodness, this is what I've done. Uh, and even being able to have the mentality of I'm going to go back and be like a servant hand, because I, I think a right. lot of times I can think like, oh, I can go back and either I'll go back and things will be fine. You know, like I don't have to deal with all this right. or I'm going to come back and be like, I won't be accepted at all. Right. And so I think really just understanding that and coming back with humility Mm. because arrogance isn't going to get you anywhere. The insecurity isn't going to get you anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's going to be more of a stumbling block than it is like a stepping stone. And so I think coming with the humility of like, I was wrong, but I, I want this relationship with God. And the thing is also... It has to be about God. Yeah. Kind of like with my my story, I, I made it about not wanting to go to hell or I made it about people and my relationships. But it really has to be, I want to love God. Like I understand God's sacrifice that he made for me mm-hmm. to be where I am today. And like, I, I want to be in a relationship with him. So because when we make it about people, it gets cloudy, it gets messy, it gets too opinionated instead of grounded in truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely like what I was lacking when I first became a disciple was being grounded in truth and being grounded with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it has to be a relationship with God. And for you to right. come back to your relationship with God, it really does have to be all about God. It can't be about this is the culture that was safe. This is the culture that I grew up in. It's all about you and God and wanting to pursue Mm -hmm. that relationship and righteousness. And that's something that I'm learning how to how to really consider going after and and counting that cost, weighing those scales of is this what I really want? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not even about church, because I think some people can make it about church, Mm -hmm. which I mean, church, yes, it should be an absolute safe space. Like you should feel safe in the place that you worship, Mm -hmm. but that can't be the the only thing Mm -hmm. that brings you back to God. Because then if your church crumbles, what do you have left? So I think that's also really big factor is like making sure that it's not just about people or the church, but it's about God. The Lord. The Lord, yes. (laughs) Rachel, thank you so much for for coming on to the podcast. Yes, absolutely. Um, Always such a great pleasure to talk to you, to see your face, even though our podcast listeners won't won't see your face. Yep. This has been a lot of really helpful information about someone's journey who has grown up in a church, who has left and then ultimately decided to come back Mm -hmm. and how to how to build a a relationship with God that will last, one that is genuine, one that really does find God as a safe Mm -hmm. space. 
people want to contact you or just want to hear a little bit more, where could they find you? Um, so I'm on Instagram. My handle is underscore Ray Jacques. So R-A-E-J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. Or you can email me if you're like super old school. It's my first name, Rachel C. Jacques at gmail.com. Those two I respond to quite frequently. So Perfect. Yeah, I'll, I'll provide that for you guys in case you have your own stories that you want to share with Rachel mm-hmm. uh, for her to be a safe space having gone through this uh, and being such a, such a terrific safe space for me while we were in college together. Mm-hmm. Or if you have any questions, just being able to hit her up, being able to have that voice and that support system, which is so important when it comes to the questions and the thoughts and the fears that we may have. Yeah, absolutely. And coming back to God. But thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next time.